Thanks for listening to coverage of the Society of Environmental Journalists Annual Conference 2019 in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thanks to all our members and supporters for making this possible. For more information on this and other sessions, look for the 2019 conference agenda at sej.org. This recording starts after the session has already begun. As that summer was taking place and some of the science was coming out, I was like, man, I've got to get down to the four corners and hear what's going on, like how people are experiencing that, that really crazy uh, weather that was going on. Um, so I had come across a local news article from gosh, probably 2013, the last time there was a really bad drought in that area, 2012, 2013. That was a, a sh very short profile of this guy. His name is Dave Hewn, and he's a sheriff's deputy with the Montezuma County uh, Sheriff's Department, and he enforces water law. So he has a super unique position, um, and I think that would be m maybe my one takeaway from this story for you guys would be, it's really easy doing climate change stories to like go find a farmer or travel around with a scientist who's like searching for a mystery or like trying to figure something out. Um, or, you know, if you're on the coast, like somebody whose house was flooded, like those stories you can find super easy because those people are very present. But what I loved about Deputy Hewn is like a sheriff's deputy, like what does he care about climate change? Like he, he is not your typical climate change character, but he's living it. And um, maybe this would be a good time to play the story so that you can get a better sense of what his day-to-day -day life is like. By summer this year in the American Southwest, in farming communities in the Four Corners region where Colorado, Utah, Arizona, and New Mexico share a border, water supplies have been scarce. And during dry times like these, some people are willing to do just about anything to get more water, including stealing it. From member station KUNC, Luke Runyon has more on a local man who's known as the water cop. One morning a few years ago, Dave Hewn got a call. The woman on the other end was frantic, screaming as she watched her 82-year-old husband in the yard. And he was being beaten with a shovel by his 86-year-old neighbor. The fight was over water. One of the men accused the other of taking more than his share from their irrigation ditch, leaving less for everyone else. You had two old timers that were very stubborn and very hard headed and they were bound and determined to do it their way and the other party was saying, no, you won't. Yoon is a sheriff's deputy in Montezuma County, Colorado, in the Four Corners, tasked with enforcing the state's complex water law. He's probably the only deputy in the state with this kind of job making sure water goes where it's supposed to. We've seen some really inventive ways this year for stealing water. So how do they do it? Well, one method, drop a pump into an irrigation ditch, turn it on, and if you don't have the water rights to do that, it's a crime. Method number two, you have rights to water, but not a lot, so you take more than you're allowed. Inside his black Ford pickup, Hewn says when he started handing out tickets for water theft, it didn't go over well. First, uh, people were shocked. They were like, you kidding me, right? You're going to cite me over water? It's like, yes, it's a valuable commodity in this state. Oh, yeah, 76-year-old farmer Bob Schuster knows all about water thieves. He grows wine grapes and hay and runs a plumbing supply store in the county's biggest city of Cortez. 
He's dressed in denim overalls, sporting a black and gray beard. Schuster says droughts make people desperate. People are basically, and these are good people, basically dishonest. Schuster's farm is at the end of an irrigation ditch with several users upstream. If they're taking more water than they're entitled to, it dries up before it reaches his crops. They look out their fields, they see they need water, and they take the water going through, it's not theirs. And it's common for emotions to run high in these disputes. He says he's had guns pointed at him, shovels swung at his head, and been sucker punched in fights with neighbors over water. Sure, Santa's may help you. Back at the office, Hune says violent skirmishes have declined since the county started enforcing water law. But it's a fragile piece. Historically, we've had people killed over water in the state of Colorado. We have in this county. Hune is on patrol in a part of the country where climate change is likely to make water even more scarce than it is now. We don't want the fighting between families and between friends. We want to be able to resolve it in a nonviolent way. And as his community dries out, Hune knows he'll be spending more time, not less, keeping fights over water from blowing up. For NPR News, I'm Luke Runyon in Cortez, Colorado. I just love that opening anecdote where he was like these 80 octogenarians hitting each other with shovels. That's like, you can't ask for a better opening scene <laughs> in a story than that. Um, so the reason I wanted to share it is, is for that reason, like he's, he's not your typical climate change character, but he has such a compelling story because he's kind of living on the front lines of it. Water is scarce in the Four Corners to begin with, and it's growing scarcer. Um, and when someone was talking about, you know, finding this side door, you know, it's like he's a sheriff's deputy. You know, he's, he's an interesting character, not just to the people who really crave climate change stories, but for people who might be more skeptical um, of them as well. One thing too that I, um, you know, that I, I think would be good for you all to look into is look for those people in your communities who are taking on new roles or are facing new circumstances based on like how the weather is changing or what they're seeing, because um, that's really what what the sheriff's department in Montezuma County was forced to do. They were forced to take one of their deputies and put them on the water beat in order to, because it was a public, uh, you know, public safety problem. Um, and I'm sure that there are people in your communities who are being forced to, to take on new roles or new responsibilities because of that. So this was sort of the example of how uh, water can divide communities, but there are plenty of stories where you can, especially within the Colorado River Basin, of people who are coming together to face some of these issues together. Um, so over the last two or three years, there was this ongoing bureaucratic process in the Colorado River Basin called the Drought Contingency Plan, which is like the most boring sounding thing <laughs> Um, but is super important and has long-standing effects for water users within the Colorado River Basin. So it's one of those stories where, as a journalist, you're like, oh my god, my eyes are glazing over already trying to figure out how to take this long bureaucratic process with so many different players, 
so many different interests and priorities coming together and trying to figure out a way to make it interesting for someone who, you know, if they turn on their tap and water comes out, they're like, that's the extent of me caring about water. Um, so I don't have the story up, but one of the last features that I did on the drought contingency plan, I was at this big conference in Las Vegas. It's called the Colorado River uh, Water Users Association. They meet every year in Vegas. It's every uh, interested party within the Colorado River Basin coming together and figuring out all their issues. And the, the, one of the panels, a um, member of the Colorado River Indian tribes said, this whole process, it's like grieving. We're all coming, we're all coming together. We're like realizing the limits of the infrastructure of the water that we have. And we're doing this like public grieving process. And he went through the stages of grief and like how, um, how the water managers were like dealing with their grief. And I was like, man, that is the perfect framing for this like really long bureaucratic process. So then I just used his frame for the piece. It's like move through those stages of grief. You start with bargaining and you know anger, fear, and eventually you get to acceptance and people come together. So look out for those like those metaphors that can take something really big and all of these, you know, incredible scientific concepts and distill them down into something that people can actually understand, like a grieving process. You know, all of us have those emotions and you can use, um, use those frames in order to make something more relevant. Susan, you're standing up. I feel like I'm out of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm looking forward to, to hearing what you guys um, have to say, and I feel like the Q&A shouldn't just be a Q&A. Like, if you guys have examples of things that you've produced and want to tell us about, I would love to hear those uh, as well. Thank you.